Welcome to the True Falls Film Festival. Welcome to the True False Podcast, presented by KBIA. I'm Sebastián Martínez Valdivia, and on today's episode, we are previewing this year's films with our True False programming team, Janelle Augustin, Chris Bachman, and Amir George. This year's lineup includes 38 films, 26 shorts, and several repertory programs, and we just do not have enough time to preview every single one, but we will do our best. First off, uh, Janelle, Chris, Amir, welcome to the True False Podcast. Thank you for having having us. us. Thank you. Um, let's start with the feature films. What are some of the films that you're most excited for personally? I was going to actually start with the longest film that I believe that we're exhibiting at the festival. If we're calling them films, we actually have a television series. It's amazing, too, uh, that we're, we're playing. But the longest feature-length film that we're screening is a movie called I Wow, I Walk on Water, which uh, is directed by Kalika La, a two-time True False alum, um, who actually just today dropped the seven-minute-long trailer for this movie, which everyone can take a look at. Um, but if people, I'm guessing a, a number of Listeners are already familiar with Kalikala. Um, we made Field N-Word and uh, Black Mother, which both premiered at the festival. Uh, but his background is in street portraiture. So uh, he spent uh, like years basically uh, at the corner of 125th and Lexington uh, in Harlem, taking taking portraits of, of homeless people who live at that intersection. So um, uh, in this film, he's actually kind of going back, and what's special ab- about this movie is that it's a film that really kind of reveals much more about his process. In Iwau, Cleek uh, is uh, reconnecting with this this man named Frenchie, who is sort of his muse from that that portraiture project that he's been doing at 125th in Lexington, uh, and he's uh, bringing. Frenchie back into his home. Um, he is just getting closer and closer to him in ways that make some of the people around him kind of uh, express concern about whether he's kind of crossing lines or not. So it's a movie that's definitely exploring kind of the ethics of his own work and opening it up for conversation, but also revealing just kind of just more about Kalik as a person. I think it also feels like in some ways uh, uh, it speaks to the diary film tradition. Um, and feels like kind of a reinvention of that form. So, um, yeah, that's like a, a film that will be world premiering at the festival, and we're really excited that Kalik will be traveling here uh, to present it. That's very exciting. His films are always very visually rich, uh, yeah. and his street portraiture kind of uses depth of field really interestingly, so there's one specific thing that's in focus and drifting in and out of focus kind of. Right. Cool. <laughs> to know. Uh, I think the film that I'm most excited about is called A Machine to Live In. Um, it is a really wild film about architecture and aliens and cults. Um, I love it. It's insane. Um, And I really, what I love uh, about it the most is that it's looking at the built environment and how um, architecture can sort of um, symbolize like our dreams and hopes for the the future and what what does that look like when those dreams aren't realized. Um, But with this also kind of like doomsday um, Tron aesthetic that I can't recommend enough. It's so good. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amir? Uh, like one of the many movies that I'm excited about is uh, like Crestone. Um, Crestone is this very weird, magical film 
about these group of guys who are like taking refuge in this uh, like part of Colorado. And it's about like the end of the world. It's about chaos and uh, like, having fun and also like eating bologna sandwiches. And uh, I think it's a film that a lot of people w- will be like surprised by and also uh, like, really like appreciate. Seems like you're covering a lot of bases with that, the end of the world and bologna sandwiches. Totally, totally. <laughs> the beginning of the end. And then every festival, there's some films that kind of seem to attract a lot of, you know, viewers that maybe aren't necessarily your typical creative nonfiction film goers. Are there any films that you could foresee potentially being kind of crowd pleasers or more popular items? Mm-hmm. I think one that comes to mind immediately is called Mucho Mucho Amor. It's about this larger-than-life uh, Puerto Rican astrologer Um who for, I think, over 15 years, every day was sort of reading horoscopes and had millions of people tune in. And then, um, you know, he has these, like, wonderful capes and costumes, and he's a dancer, um, and I think he was, like, trained in ballet and flamenco. And uh, basically the film... uh, follows him from childhood to the point where he's, like, at the height of stardom, and then... uh, tries to figure out why he disappeared from public view so that's a great um really fun film is that walter mercado yeah yeah he's kind of a cult figure in like the whole latinx u.s community everyone's ts listened to to his horoscopes for a long time but yeah that sounds really interesting Mm -hmm. um is there anything else that y'all think i want to say like like city so real uh, is a new project by a uh, like legendary filmmaker like Steve James. He's been a true false like a few times. I'm really happy to also have him back. Uh, like City So Real is pretty much like a four part series, um, all set in a realest city in the world, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a little bit of personal it, bias. Yeah, it gives in. a little insight to like the mayoral like like race that just happened there. A uh, like, really like historic race between. Um, between like several candidates but came down to like two women that was the first time that happened in Chicago political history but also it gives you uh, like good insight to the city that I think a lot of people like uh, like uh, aren't aware of or I haven't seen before Steve James of course of Hoop Dreams and then also more the recently Interrupters, Interrupters yeah. America to Me America his docu series yeah. which is really excellent that's exciting Chris do you have anything yeah, I think there's actually a, a first-time film that just won the Best Emerging Director Prize at Sundance, and it's uh, made by this guy named Arthur Jones, who actually grew up down the road in Jefferson City, Missouri. Um, and this film, uh, Feels Good Man is the name, uh, is looking at uh, an illustrator named Matt Fury, who created this this comic book strip called uh, a comic book called boys club uh, and in that book club there's a about a group of friends and one of the characters in it is uh, a, f- a little frog who uh, uh, you might a lot of people might be familiar with Pepe the frog um, and if you don't know the story of this I guess the shortest version of it is to say is that this is a, a movie about an illustrator who creates this character and suddenly the internet grabs a hold of it and turns it into something wildly different uh, and he finds himself in kind of this uh, battle of attempting to like rescue him um, so, yeah, it has unbelievable like animation actually going throughout. It's some of the best use of animation I've seen in a documentary to just kind of uh, talk through the kind of what happens to his image over time. So um, we're excited to have Arthur finally make his his way back to Mid Missouri. Yeah, so local that, connection. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, that's obviously a character to anyone who lives online will be immediately recognizable. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. that sounds really neat. Yeah. Are there any other films that y'all want to talk about? Yeah, like Mothney. Towards the Ocean, Towards the Shore um, by Skya Pinka, um, one of my favorite artists, period. 
Um, <laughs> his new film is is like debut feature film. Um, basically, is around the or the like, Chinook or the origin of a like death myth. But it's a very beautiful film. Like you know, like very majestic. It follows uh, like two people, two characters, uh, like Jordan and Sweetwater, throughout this like miraculous landscape as we uh, learn more about the myth of the town, their lives, and yeah, it's a real like meditative film. I I, I suggest like. Whatever you do to chill, do it before the movie, and then go see the movie. That's very safe uh, <laughs> legally from a from a legal standpoint. That's that's good. Um, so one thing that the fest, uh, a project that the festival runs alongside the Catapult Film Fund every single summer is called the Rough Cut Retreat, um, and this is where five different filmmakers who are still in the middle of kind of finishing their films gather over the course of a week to watch one another's movies and give notes. Um, I mentioned a film already, Feels Good Man, that participated in this past year's, but there's a second film actually that we're exhibiting at the festival this year that participated in the Rough Cut Retreat, and it's actually world premiering at the movie uh, at the festival. Uh, it's called Mare, uh, and this is a film following the the mayor of Ramallah, pa- Palestine, um, over the course of the holiday season. Uh, the the movie has really terrific access to him as he's kind of just uh, walking around the streets, uh, dressing kind of the. Uh, complaints and the different problems that his his, uh, constituents have. But uh, also uh, it happens to kind of coincide, the production tends to coincide with a a few kind of major developments uh, in Israel and Palestinian relations. So um, it's, it's, it's just a sort of movie where it's so up close with him the entire time and it never leaves his side. uh, So that you kind of just like feel these new stories that you're already familiar with and this kind of, uh, this new way. Um, it's kind of like perspective altering in that kind of way. So yeah. that might be an interesting double feature with the Steve James mayoral yes. campaign. Yes, absolutely. Documentary. The film that I would also highlight uh, is called Down a Dark Stairwell by Ursula Yang. Um, it is about um, the police involved shooting of Akai Gurley in the uh, pink houses of East New York. Uh, and so what I think is really strong about this film is it doesn't sort of. Um, pit the Chinese American and the African American community against one another. It's really looking at how they both are trying to find justice um, and uh, protection under the law um, in a way that's uh, ultimately uh, revealing how faulty our justice system really is and how it doesn't serve communities of color at large. It's really really smart. Um, And what's really eye-opening for me as a viewer is I lived in New York during that time and I only knew the story from my own experience as a black person. And um, what was really cool was that she, um, the filmmaker Ursula, really looks at not just the Chinese American community as a monolith, but sort of like the progressive um, activists who are Chinese American, as well as maybe more conservative Chinese American communities and how they were um, kind of uh, rallying amongst each other to um, fight to get sort of like recognized and embraced by the NYPD because the NYPD tried to throw Peter Liang under the bus. It's a really complicated film. Um, it's in a bunch of different languages. It's really cool. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. In an election year, often ethnic groups get kind of grouped into one big monolith when totally. revealing that complexity, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned Kalika La earlier, um, but we also have uh, uh, some other returning filmmakers. Kirsten Johnson's bringing her her new film. Um, I love this film. It's a black comedy, uh, which basically tries to explore. I ba- basically, like, I actually think it's a black comedy, but really sensitive, too. It it tries to control death uh, because that's like one of the stages of grief is denial um, and disbelief. And so 
the filmmaker um, basically tries to kill her own father rather than have to um, suffer the waiting of when is it going to happen. Um, one thing that I noticed in watching this film is that in her earlier film, Camera Person, we watch her mother um, uh, you know, go through the stages of dementia and eventually pass away. And in this film, um, sort of that thread is being extracted and expanded upon. Um, so basically, uh, her father, who is, um, I think, also a psychologist, has dementia as well. And so they kind of collaborate in this beautiful and also um, shocking uh, series of fake accidents and stunts um, where there's like a fake funeral for him and he falls down a flight of stairs and an air conditioner falls on his head. And it's all of these ways of using fiction and action um, to sort of get at something deeper and um, maybe more real about the human connection and, um, you know, basically like how can we use cinema not to sort of like keep someone alive forever, but maybe keep something about their essence or that relationship alive. Is uh, probably like the funniest movie we have in the lineup. Yeah, that's, I think that's good. Right. I'm excited to laugh and probably also cry you a lot. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other films that we want to touch on? Uh, just from our alumni, actually, I wanted to highlight um, Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss, who uh, were here years ago with a film called The Overnighters, which I know is a huge favorite of, of many True False uh, attendees. Um, are back with this film called Boy State, uh, which is. Uh, following uh, the Texas Boys State tradition, which, uh, if you don't know, is uh, this thing that happens around the country, actually. There are various Boys State. There's a Missouri Boys State as well. Uh, but basically, every kind of part of the state has representatives uh, who are chosen, uh, like the best and brightest kind of teenage boys, uh, and they all convene in Austin, Texas, around the state capitol uh, and participate in this mock election uh, in which they're uh, all attempting to kind of gain the, the title of governor. Um, and... For me, this is kind of like a, a miracle of observational filmmaking. Uh, it's one of those movies where it feels like the camera is like somehow in the right place at every single moment. Uh, it feels like it's the same camera operator, but it's clear that they you know, needed at least six or seven people doing this to pull it off the way that they do. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, if you're wanting a film that kind of like, uh, that, that you find kind of like really gripping, this is a movie that kind of like generates those same sort of emotions maybe that you feel when you are watching a, a football game or American Idol or what have you, but also has a, like a lot of really great ideas running through it about like the future of our democracy. So uh, that's, I think, a film that, that people are going to be talking about a lot. It, it also it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance uh, last week. So. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Um, afterwards, we'll be speaking about some of the shorts programs that we have coming up this year, one of my favorite parts of the festival every year. Um, but we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the True False Podcast presented by KBIA. Let's get back to our preview of this year's festival program by talking about shorts. One thing I think True False is particularly good at is curating the shorts programs, which in other festivals can sometimes be kind of long, meandering things, but in True False, they always feel very focused and intentional. And they're also organized a little differently from programs at other festivals. Can you talk a little bit about how the shorts programs work? In addition to like uh, trying to create these very tight and cohesive programs that have like a wide variety in them, we also... Um, have like are responded to this kind of problem that we notice at other film festivals where they 
screen a block of shorts, have 20 minutes afterwards and five filmmakers standing on stage. Um, and there's no productive conversation that comes from that situation. Uh, so instead what we do is we have one kind of very big screening, uh, which will be happening actually in Gannett this year. Um, and then afterwards there is a reception, uh, which is like a more extended period of time where everyone gathers and you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the shorts directors. Um, and so every single shorts program is actually named after the drink that will be served at that reception. Uh, for me, I'll say the program is Rouge. It consists of a very amazing uh, set of short films that we're all excited about. Um, coming from uh, the See the Stars in the Landscape, of one called like, Smoke Skits in Your Eyes. There's also a secret screening of a short that I'm not going to say too much about. And... Lost Three, Make One Found is another film that we're really excited to have it, like in the lineup as well. The the yeah the whole uh, secret screening trend that we've been doing has uh, shifted to a completely different part of the lineup for some reason. <laughs> but so uh, I think another program that we're really excited about and that is called Bach. Uh, and this is a, a program that has like a a lot of very political shorts throughout it and films that maybe are a little bit more on the experimental side as well. Um, I think the the film that is in this lineup that I have not been able to get out of my head since we all watched it together is this movie called Good Ended Happily. The director, Basir Mahmood, uh, hires this crew, uh, this Lollywood crew, to recreate the night that Osama bin Laden was murdered. Um, and so they have complete free creative control over what that looks like, and it's not really lining up with reality exactly, but there's this camera that's almost like just kind of floating like a ghost through the set um and it's it's a, a really haunting movie and we're really happy that this is actually going to be traveling all the way here uh, to represent the film and talk about it and i can go over the short section uh blanc um it's a really beautiful collection of ceremonies secret societies religious um kind of traditions and looking at sort of the gaps in tradition and the way that maybe stories are told. So uh, the first short in that um, series is Jessa, which uh, looks at a Korean um, tradition of making a meal for ancestors. But uh, the filmmaker is sort of questioning about who that meal is really for and sort of um, poking fun at it and also looking at like the ways patriarchy operates in that meal where basically her mother is sort of saying like, you know, you don't have to do this for me when I die. Like, I think this is stupid. <laughs> and so it's like really playful and also witty. Uh, and the film uses stop a stop motion animation. Um, that's really beautiful. And then um, we also have in that program um, Aurora. So that film is really striking. It is totally silent. And it has three Cuban women, women staring directly into the camera. Um, it's shot in black and white and has these really stunning compositions. And it all takes place in a dilapidated movie theater. And then we also have um, The Spirit Keepers, uh, which takes place in Taiwan. And it sort of goes back to this traditional landscape uh, and looks at um, these different uh, religions clashing between like traditional indigenous um, religious practices and also Catholicism and looking at colonialism all along this like really beautiful ocean landscape. Awesome. Um, and then moving away from shorts, uh, we also have our, our True Vision awardees this year, our True False alums who've had several films at the festival and are bringing a, a new film this year as well. Um, the Ross Brothers, can, can you talk a little bit about that program? Yeah, you know, my, my like relationship with this, this duo, I like think back to when I was actually in college 
Um, so way back in what that was 2010, 2009, uh, most films submitted to us were submitted on DVDs. Um, you know, most of the time they would just come and come in like CD cases and you would, uh, there was a whole process where you would, you know, create a label for the DVD spine. And uh, anyway, we, uh, I just remember that their, their first film, 45365, uh, they actually sent it in this really nice case. Uh, and I remember passing by it every day and be like, that's a really cool title and case. And I never like picked it off of the shelf and actually watched it. Um, so it's like this, the one that got away kind of for, for me. Um, so it's kind of meaningful that now like 10, you know, more than 10 years later, around 10 years later, actually, exactly. Uh, we're giving them this prize. They've made a lot of strides in their career since then. And have, uh, but just to back up and explain who they are, these are two brothers, uh, from the town of Sydney, Ohio. Um, and they were kind of working in these kind of like commercial tech jobs in the film industry and they got figured out that they were like just really sick of it. And so they abandoned those jobs, moved back to that hometown of Sydney, Ohio, um, and constructed this really kind of beautiful impressionistic portrait of, of day-to-day life in that city. And um, that film actually ended up going and winning South by Southwest. But every single film that they have made since then is always very kind of closely connected to place, the place that they live in. Um, and so that that includes uh, New Orleans, which is the setting of their follow-up film, Chapatulas, um, and uh, then also uh, Eagle Pass, Texas, the setting of their, their film right after that called Western. There's something, you know, all of their movies uh, come off as they're kind of as if they're these just like uh, delightful, straightforward, observational films uh, where they just always seem to be in the right place at the right time. But they're actually always way more constructed than they they first appear, um, and that's definitely not the, that's definitely the case for their newest film, uh, which is called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. I don't know if either of you want to talk about that movie. But. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, basically, the setup is that it's the last night in a bar in New Orleans, and you have sort of this collection of we like to say barflies, but there are other words to describe that. But um, we have a list of sort of people who literally live at the bar. Uh, we have um, people who are veterans, young people coming in for a drink, and they're all gathering to celebrate and sort of have this like last round and hurrah. And um, they get really drunk. And basically it's sort of this night of uh, dancing, crying, sort of connecting with one another and thinking about like what that bar means to them and what that space affords them, uh, whether that's like their only moment of human connection all day or all week for the people who really live in isolation or if it's sort of a community of bartenders. Um, and we have also moments where the employees bring their families in and because maybe they don't have access to childcare. And it's sort of what I really like about this film is um, it's it's really interested in community and it looks at relationships that might seem weak. But actually, as you spend more time with people, you can get to know them sort of beyond sort of just like the shallow layers um, and also how alcohol helps in sort of opening people up a little bit. So it's really fun. Their films are always kind of like dreamy and disconcerting, but also weirdly heartening a lot of the time. So I'm really excited to, to check this one out. Mm-hmm. And then we also have our Neither Nor series every year. Um, can you talk a little bit about what this year's is? Yeah. So this is our repertory sidebar where we just want to spotlight artists who kind of did some groundbreaking work that really makes the work that we're, the contemporary work that we're exhibiting even possible. Um, 
this year's has been one that we've been kind of dreaming about for years because, um, you know, every so often you learn about someone who grew up near you, who's like someone like who's done amazing work. You read about them maybe or you, you see them out. And so, you know, we've had this like running list of kind of artists of, from Missouri that have actually worked in nonfiction spaces. Um, and this year we are kind of yeah doing, I think in part because there's all this planning going on right now about the bicentennial, the state and what have you. Um, I think our, our, you know, celebration, it is a celebration of the artist, but I think it's uh, important to note that every artist that uh, we could identify who have done, has done groundbreaking work in this area from Missouri left the state, usually around age 19 or 20. Um, so hopefully that's like going to change and we're going to have some, you know, Columbia based uh, artists uh, the, to feature in a retrospective years down the line. But um this this year we're actually have like a really interesting uh, cross section of artists represented in the program that uh, kicks off on actually Wednesday night the day before the festival officially begins we'll be hosting a uh, this artist named Lisa Steele she's like a video art pioneer so um, she's kind of originally was very famous for this uh, piece she did called. Uh, birthday suit with scars and defects in which over the course of around eight or nine minutes, she uh, stands naked in front of the camera and talks through every single scar she has. It's kind of a very influential piece of feminist video art. Um, but the, the films that we're going to be focusing on when we, we bring her to town for that Wednesday night screening, which will be free and that ragtag, um, are going to be films that she made around the time that she was working at this shelter for women and children. Um, and these are these films that she made where she was working at that shelter and talking to various uh, people who were going through it. And she would create these kind of composite characters out of them and do these sort of direct addresses to the camera. Uh, so she's, she's herself performing. Um, and the film that were the longest piece that she ever made as a part of that project is this this film called The Gloria Tapes, which is inspired by soap operas and follows this this woman named Gloria as she basically attempts to work her way through the welfare system. And so a lot of it is actually about the kind of language that people use in those spaces and her trying to like figure out how to gain power through language. Um, and yeah, that's that's one film. And then um, another one, I think the one that's like actually, you know, really made this series uh, like made us decide to go this route was when we learned about a filmmaker named Mike Henderson, uh, who's actually from very close by Marshall, Missouri, uh, of all places. Um, this is he's he actually works in a variety of mediums and all this kind of work speaks to one another. But he's both a, a blues musician, he's a painter, and he's an experimental filmmaker. Um, and I think he was actually mostly kind of if you look would look him up on the internet up until a few years back, would see more about his paintings. And then maybe his music. Uh, it wasn't until a few years back that the they started kind of restoring some of his uh, works, and there was it was a real revelation for a lot of people in the film community. So he makes short films that are, um, I mean, there are a variety of different kind of things that he's done. Some of them are these like two to three minute long abstractions where you have no clue really exactly what you're looking at and slowly the film pulls out and you realize that you're just in his kitchen. Uh, so those are like really fun to look at. And then other times he's dealing with uh, incidences throughout history. There's one in which he's reliving the passion play, uh, then th that one probably will not play well in a church if we were to do it. Um, there's another instances <laughs> where he's in his uh, kitchen and uh, he is actually reenacting the slave trade uh, over the course of a few minutes. So um, that one will be exhibited. It's, it's called Down Here. Um, but uh, we're really excited about that program as well. We'll be screening 60 millimeter prints from the Academy of Film Archive. So 
going to set that. Uh, and there are two other artists, Tom Palazzolo, and also will be screening a 60 millimeter print with uh, of, of Still Here, a film from 2000, uh, directed by Christopher Harris, who will be traveling down from Iowa. So anyway, the, all those screenings are free and open to the public. Neither nor often not as hyped as maybe other films coming off of other festivals, um, but often, in my experience, some of the most rewarding experiences and also films that you just can't find in a lot of places a lot of the time. So definitely encourage people to check that out. And then every year the festival has some kind of organizing theme. Can you talk a little bit about what this year's theme is? The theme for this year's festival is Foresight, which is sort of a clever uh, turn on um, ideas of like vision, the future, the past. Uh, we've got a new programming team. We have lots of new members on our whole team at large at True False, as well as just thinking about like, okay, new decade, what's it going to look like? Who is, whose voices do we really want to hear? Um, while also kind of thinking about um, like divination and, and ways of telling the future. So we have tarot cards that we're making. We have... Um, on our sort of like fest poster, you can see, um, I, I forget the name of it now. Maybe you guys know. It's like, what's that like golden ratio with the circle? I noticed that was behind it. The Life Fibonacci sequence. Thank you. And so there's all these different ways of um, looking at patterns in nature and um, sort of uh, cyclical movements in time. Um, we're around three weeks out from the fest. Uh, what, what, what does life look like um, for y'all in those three weeks, maybe we can just go straight down the line with Janelle. Chilling. I insist on yoga, like eight hours of sleep. I think that especially when we're really busy, it's super important to have like ritual and things to keep you sane. Um, square meals, face masks. Self-care. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm feeling really inspired by Janelle's response. I've never, uh, never gone that route and it would probably... Uh, be better for all of us if that was the thing that we did. So um, normally, I mean, we'll, we'll all be working next week on the like actual print program. Uh, so all of the like long descriptions and the schedule, which will be going out in a few days here, um, we're going to be looking at them even more and doing more copy editing. And they're just like a wide variety of like strange requests that will come into our inboxes and filmmakers who want things to happen. And uh, we'll just be fielding them and with a smile on our face. We're also, um, we have a new program, which I don't think we've mentioned yet, uh, which is taking place during the festival. It's called PRISM. It's a two-day incubator for artists of color. And so we are going to be uh, finalizing the schedule. Um, the list of artists should be on our website shortly, um, but it's a really exciting program um, for artists with works in development. Uh, and our hope is that in the future, they will be able to screen here at True False when they're ready for the world. But basically, we're putting together this list of speakers and installations, and um, there will be touch points that are publicly available during the festival, too. Amir, what do your next couple of weeks look like? Oh, man. Um, I like uh, long, like, long, like, uh, like moments of like meditation sometimes. So I'll probably try to get like, a couple of those in. Other than that, just, you know, dotting the, the I's and crossing the T's uh, for, for you know the whole like program coming up and just really excited to have everyone here and to uh, to uh, like share these films with everybody that's it for this week's episode of the True False Podcast thanks so much to our guests Janelle Augustin Chris Bachman and Amir George we have a lot of great conversations coming up for you so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already you can also find past episodes on our website at kbia.org you can find The Fest at truefalse.org, where you can check out the program now, and schedules go up on February 15th. And there's still time to get tickets and passes if you're interested. 
This episode was produced by Corey Davidson. I'm Sebastian Martinez Valdivia. Thanks so much for listening, and join us next week for more from the world of nonfiction film.